Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast, episode seven. Isaac Trotter going solo today, but we're going to have Jeremy Warner on to talk some Illinois football later in the podcast. We're going to have Derek Piper on to talk Illinois basketball. Should be really, really great stuff. Excited to talk about Illinois basketball, especially with Piper. He has great stuff from the Peach Jam Invitational, everything that's happening down there. Illinois really pushing hard for Andre Curbelo. Top target DJ Stewart gets a Duke offer. Adam Miller continues to have uh, instances where he puts up some but good points, but he struggled a little bit with his efficiency. So interested to talk about Piper with that. For Illinois football, not great news in the last week. They have lost their number one overall target in Mookie Cooper. And when he picks Ohio State, they've lost Jalen St. John, one of their top offensive line targets to Missouri. And then yesterday, Willis Singleton announces that he is going to Iowa State. So what does it mean? We're going to break that down with Jeremy Warner in a little bit. But stick with us after this quick timeout. Jeremy Warner coming back to talk Illinois football. And later in the hour, Derek Piper coming on by to talk a ton of Illinois basketball. We're going to take a quick timeout when we come back. Jeremy Warner talking everything you need to know about Illinois football as they prepare for a make-or-break 2019 season. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back. Episode 7, Jeremy Warner is joining us remotely. Jeremy, how you doing? Doing well, Isaac. How about you, man? Not too bad. All right, here's the thing. In the last week, Illinois football has lost their number one overall target, Mookie Cooper going to Ohio State. They lose their top offensive tackle target, Jalen St. John to Missouri. And then yesterday, Willis Singleton Jr., a guy who called Illinois his dream offer, commits to Iowa State. In seven days, right? And I feel like I, I look on Twitter, and Illinois Twitter is about to burn down, right? <laughs> and we see some of these things that are going on here. But what, what do you think is going wrong here with this program? Three commits right now. As we are here in the middle of July, July 16th. But, but what's wrong? Why can't you get a guy that says Illinois is, the, is his dream school? Why can't you get a guy like Jalen St. John Mookie Cooper, who you've kind of committed two or three years to? Yeah, well, there's some people in the program, and, and I wrote a big column on this at, at Illini Inquirer, if you want to check that out. And, and some people in the program didn't like what I wrote, and, and I understand that. It, it was critical. It also said what they've done well, and, and Lovey Smith, uh, slow and steady, wins the race. They've done pretty well in recruiting relatively for Illinois. Um, compared to the rest of the Big Ten, well, they've done okay. I thought last year was really a good step forward for them. But if, if any of them wanted to tell me, hey, all is well in recruiting, it'd be like Kevin Bacon in Animal House. Like There's there's craziness going all around them, and, and they're trying to say all is well. Uh, I don't buy that. And, and I know a lot of people inside the program don't buy that. Um, they're, they're getting crushed uh, for some battles that they should win at this point in their program. right? You can understand early on or, or maybe year two that you're going to have to take some chances and that you might struggle to win some battles, but entering year four and, and recruiting cycle four, you should be winning for, for Willis Singleton, a legacy, uh, Jalen St. John. Now, Mookie Cooper, I mean, Ohio State, if he's going to pick there, I can't, I can't argue with that, right? A.J. Henning picking Michigan. But uh, I, I think for Illinois staff, like, you can sit here and tell me, hey, we got transfers who are going to be here multiple years. We got blue shirts coming in. And, and that's probably what they'd tell me is like, hey, we don't have a lot of spots, so we're going to be a little picky. But for me, recruiting is a lot about momentum. And I, they might disagree with that. Some people in the program might disagree with that. 
But some people in the program would agree with me that right now they're getting crushed because no one's buying into them. And it's really been three months where they've been a net zero in recruiting. I like Quentin McCoy. I think he's a great find by them. I think it was a great recruitment, and they handled that one really well. And they beat Iowa State for him, and I think he's a similar prospect to Will Singleton. But him by himself is not going to create any um, momentum or buzz. Getting Willis Singleton and Jalen St. John on board and a Joe Moore coming up here or a Marcellus Moore, that will create buzz for Illinois, which you need. Minnesota's got it. Purdue's got it in recruiting. Uh, the other programs in the Big Ten that really don't have it is probably just Rutgers, right? Because it's not a very good class. They got two top one thousand guys and and a bunch of nothing else. Like Illinois got a couple really good prospects in this class, but they need more. And, and I, I know your scholarship counting, but you're going to sign like fifteen prospects in this class, and you got a long way to go. And with all your top targets kind of flying off the board, you're going to have to start those relationships now. Like, um, and, and that's my my problem here is. Urgency is kind of a buzzword, and it's not that they're not working hard. Like This staff does work hard, but a lot of other staffs work hard, and it feels like they're more urgent, and they're getting relationships, and they're doing things that are getting these guys on board, and, and they're working to fill up their classes now because it matters, because most prospects are going to be off the board by the fall. And, and most of them are going to be off in December with the early signing period. So I think urgency matters. I think some staff members have done a really, really good job. But it feels like, hey, we're going to be fine. And maybe they will be. Maybe Isaac in, in, in five months were sitting here and go, oh, they, they went to a bowl game. They won games, and that was the key to getting the class. Maybe they flip a guy or two. Or maybe they get some prospects out of Florida or Texas that we're not talking about right now. But that's a lot of ifs. Um, I'd rather have four or five of my other top targets on board. And I know they would, too. And the fact that they're not, that is very concerning. Well, and a part of me thinks that the reason that this isn't going well is because they didn't capitalize on what happened in April, right? I mean, remember that stretch there where you get Marcus Harper, you get Reggie Love, you get Jaden Thompson, you feel great about all three of those guys, you have all this momentum, and it's stalled. And listen, this isn't the first time that this happened. Remember last year after you get Marquez Beast and Isaiah Williams, there was a little bit of a stall after that mm-hmm. happened. Why is that happening? You know what I mean? Like, why are they unable to capitalize? Is it just because they don't have any leverage? Is it just because they only have nine wins in three years? A part of me thinks that there's something more to this. There's got to be something more to the table than just nine wins in three years. Yeah, well, I think that's part of it. They, they don't know if Lovey Smith's going to be there yeah. long term. Despite what Josh Whitman will say, there's a lot of negative recruiting out there. Um, Illinois doesn't really do it. Um, and, and that's. That's commendable, right? It's commendable that you won't, because if you're negative recruiting uh, as Illinois with nine wins the last three years, people are going to be like, man, they've really got to do that? Can't they just try and sell themselves? But Illinois really hasn't done that. Um, but other coaches are, and it's and it's easy to do with with Illinois right now, especially guys like Nate Shieldhouse and Alex Golash, who, who uh, and the Iowa State staff know a lot about Illinois being former staff members here. So um, that's an issue. And, and again, I think... There are guys that might be borderline, whether it's academic issues. Like James French, he's still got some stuff to do in the classroom, but you probably could have had him on board. Uh, Quadre Nicholson, you could probably have him on board. Jahari Branch, you could probably have him on board. And, and for me, with four or five wide receivers you're going to take in this class, with four or five offensive linemen you're going to take in the class, you have one wide receiver and zero offensive lineman. Those guys might not be the top of your board guys or may not Frenchie might not be a guarantee to get here, but that's helps you sell to other prospects that good talent is is bought into you. Like Minnesota does that so well. 
right? Like uh, Purdue has done that really well. Like they create this buzz, and all of a sudden you're seeing these guys go on these visits, and they're popping all together, right? You're seeing like six commitments in one weekend to a program. Illinois had that with the great weekend in April, and then they didn't duplicate that, and they didn't seem to push for it. They didn't seem to try and manufacture that. We saw some uh, Ric Flair gifts at times at four and five, but we never really saw that come to fruition. Then all of a sudden, the buzz dissipates. Marcus Harper decides to go elsewhere. And then you go this long time without a commitment. Now all these guys are going off the board. I, I, again, that's why I think this momentum really matters in recruiting and, and selling, getting other prospects to buy in and selling that to other prospects. It matters. And I don't know if to some people at Illinois, they feel like that's a value when it when I think it does have value. Well, and as soon as Jalen St. John picks Mizzou, I thought that that meant that Johari Branch would get an offer. Then they pushed for him. That's obviously waited a little bit. But we have a barbecue coming up in 10 days, right? July 26th, Illinois is going to get some guys down on campus. What's the visitor list shaping up to look like here? What should we expect? Because, okay, because I, I look at this barbecue and I go, okay, Joe Moore's number one on my, you know, guy I need to have yeah. here, four-star defensive end. You can't lose him to Minnesota anymore. you got to start winning some of these Power Five battles. But when you look at the sense of urgency that this staff needs, you need to see Johari Branch there. You need to see Trinity Catholic guys there, whether that's a James Frenchy. Maybe he's able to get Jalen St. John to come up with you. You know, something like that. You need to see this list look like this staff goes, okay, this isn't this isn't right. We have only three commits. we got to do something to fix it, and this is our big chance to get guys on campus and get things rolling right now. Maybe like a Mon- Monroe Mills, a, a three-star uh, yeah. offensive lineman from Missouri. Maybe you're able to get him up uh, here instead of going to Iowa State again. Yeah, I know Joe Moore. I mean, he's probably the, the top guy on the board. Um, you know, I know James Frenchy's a little higher in the rankings, but there, there's urgency with Joe Moore, and they, they want to get the last visit. And he's actually going to visit Arizona State for an official that weekend of the barbecue. So he won't be up for that weekend. At least it could be the day before the Thursday where the dead period ends. It ends on the 26th, right. I believe it is, or the 24th or something like that. And then the next day they might get him on campus before he goes to Arizona State or they might get him afterwards. Um, but that's going to happen. Um, so that's a positive, that, that you maybe get the last sell of this thing before he announces a commitment on August 18th. Otherwise, in, in the class of 20, uh, 2020, James Frenchie from Trinity Catholic is supposed to be up there. I'm getting him on board. I, I want to get him on board. Kevin Tyler is supposed to be here. Get him on board. That'd be a great get. I, I think I think I like him a little bit more, and I know some people in Illinois like him more than, than Jalen St. John, even though I'd love to have both of them. Um, but he's he's the top guard on their board, so that would be big to get him. Um, Finn Shermer, who I expected would be a guy they get here, he, he's going to Air Force. And, and he told uh, Edgy Tim the other day from Rivals, I want to give him credit for it, um, that Illinois hasn't pushed him or pressured him. And, that, and that's fine, but that, that's a guy who might want to get on board. <laughs> like, uh, it's like a guy in much, state. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's like, hey. We're going to move on to other targets if, if you don't stay here. Because Finn Shermer's a great athlete, but we don't even know if he's going to play football or not. He might he might be a track athlete with how good he was there. Or, or maybe he's looking for some other offer. Uh, you might want to say, hey, th- this is your window. We like you, but we, we got to focus on other targets if so. Um, so that, But otherwise, I've heard a lot of 2020 guys, like some Texas kids that are coming up. It's exciting. I've heard some in-state guys that could be exciting. Maybe a Sam Jackson comes back. But 2020, we'll have to see what this list is. Illinois feels like it's going to be a good group, uh, but I haven't confirmed many other visitors quite yet, and I still think they're working uh, to, to get those guys up here. But usually this has been a great weekend for them. And last year, this is when they got Kyron Cumbie uh, close on campus, Seth Coleman able to close on him, Casey Washington. And that's what I'm looking for next, Isaac, is you're struggling in state. Uh, St. Louis, you, you got a big one on board in Reggie Love, 
But Joe Moore is an important part of that piece now in St. Louis. It doesn't feel like you're going to have quite as big of a class there. They need some infusion from Florida. They need some infusion from Texas. And if we remember 2017 and 18, or 2018 especially, in 2019, they weren't killing it in, in state either, right? In 2018, they weren't doing well in St. Louis. They went over, but they got a lot of good Florida prospects. They got a lot of good Texas prospects. And I, you still haven't figured out who are those top guys. Sawyer Gorm, Gorm Welch was one uh, defensive lineman that visited here. Jay Wilkerson, a wide receiver. I like both those guys as solid prospects. Florida, you need to start getting more in there. It seems like they've offered some offensive linemen here recently. And that's a group I'm really interested to see because um, – the, the big kid out of, out of North Carolina that recently visited here, his name's escaping my, my mind right now, but he seemed to really like Bob McClain in Illinois, but he's going to take some other visits. Uh, James Porgerelk is, is another offensive lineman down there, but it feels like they're just starting some of those relationships, right? And it's like, boy, we're, we're not that far away from these guys making decisions. Well, and it was weird because when we, after Luke Butkus leaves for the assistant job with the Green Bay Packers and you get Bob McClain on board, you go, okay, you can see the difference here, right? The offensive line recruiting should get a lot better because McClain gets after it on the trail. He's offering so many more guys in this class than, than, you know, than Butkus ever did. He seems like he wants to be out on the recruiting trail. And it just hasn't translated yet, though. I do think, though, if you get Kevin Tyler on board and you continue to hit, you're, they're going to find offensive linemen, right? They, there's they're going well, to add offensive linemen like, that we don't even know their names yet. I, I think I think because of how Bob McClain does work at it, he listen. He's got to, he's got to. I mean, he got in back into the Jalen St. John yeah. recruitment, right? Like before he was on board, they really didn't seem like they were going to be a major player there. And then all of a sudden, he gets on board. And it really helped with him. Obviously, didn't help enough. Obviously, he hasn't landed anybody. Marcus Harper he did, and then lost him. But I, I have confidence they'll find good prospects. Um, it's just. They have to widen that net even more at that position. Okay, how do you feel about this class? Say you mm-hmm. add Quadra Nicholson, James Frenchy, Kevin Tyler. Say they push for Finnegan Shermer, they get him on board. Johari Branch and Joe mm-hmm. Moore, right? Bef- like by September, right? They get those guys, and that's what you have right now to go along with Jaden Thompson, Reggie Love, and Quentin McCoy. How would you feel about that class right there? I feel, so- I feel solid. It wouldn't rank very high because of quantity. Um but they do. They would have what three top four hundred guys. Yes, I'd feel really good. Um, there's a way, like, and, and that's a thing. Like, the quantity stinks right now, right? And losing the battles they've lost have stung. That doesn't mean they can't finish with with a good class. And I think there's assistants on the staff that have really done well. Whether it's Austin Clark, Corey Patterson, Mike Bellamy, I'd even throw Bob McClain in there. Rod Smith. They've done a really good job of developing relationships and, and trying to sell Illinois. And if you can get these kids on campus and and get them on board, there's still a chance that before the season you could feel good about the foundation here um, and feel like you have half your holes in this class kind of plugged up. But I, I don't know if Illinois would, would push for all those guys that, that you mentioned. But Kevin Tyler needs needs to be one. Um, uh, Joe Moore needs to be one. I, I even feel just f- fine with those five going right, into the right. season, that having wins and being able to sell that. You'd feel a heck of a lot better because you're at least getting high-quality uh, prospects. But still, that wouldn't be – is that a class that propels you? Right. Right. I felt like last year's class, the top of it with Isaiah – with Marquez, with Keith Randolph, Mozart. Simon Cooper. Yeah, I feel like those guys are, those propel you forward with quality. Um, this would be a, a decent top end of the class, but you still need to, to fill in with depth and all that. It, it's amazing how much 
me personally how I how I've kind of view Lovey in in this in this entire recruiting class and how I felt his future because you know a couple months ago after they were recruiting well after Mookie Cooper was still on the board I mean you you felt really good about AJ Henning you had some vibes there you you thought Denver Warren was about to pop on board and I that kind of lessened how important this 2019 season could be I go okay they could go <laughs> five and seven maybe they get crushed by Iowa maybe they get crushed by Northwestern Michigan they have no chance to beat but maybe they go four and eight and five and seven you have a great recruiting class you got all these transfers back one more year you're going to return 18 or 19 starters next season good bring him back but the more that this recruiting class struggles and the more you hear about you know does lovey smith understand recruiting do, do you does he really love it is he pushing right right uh, the more you hear that the more i it, it raises how important 2019 is and i'm getting closer to the fact that if illinois doesn't win six games or if they win five and they look really good in, in their losses right how it looks matters a ton here too yeah. But if that doesn't happen, we could be seeing the end of this thing, right? This, this could be it. Am, am yeah. I crazy? Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's how they view it. I don't know if it's how Josh Whitman views it. Right. But boy, I mean, recruiting matters. And, I, and I'll say this, I still think it's more important that Owen Carney and Isaiah Gay produce than getting Joe Moore. Right? Like, I, I think th- those guys are, are more yes. important the next two years to this program. The transfers I, are more important than yeah. the next two years than any Tra- of these recruits. Trayvon Sidney and Josh Bebe are, are more important to the Lovey Smith tenure than Jaden Thompson is. But you need those guys to be successful if you're going to sign these guys. And, and at the end of the day, if they go 6-6, six and six, I, I think the recruiting will f- fix itself. If they go 5-7, and seven, I think it's going to be a weird spot. If they go 4-8, and eight, I, I think it craters, right, or anything worse than that. So they're all kind of, it's all kind of tied together. But I think what we've learned over the past, this summer, is that still not enough people are buying into it. And maybe they convince enough, and maybe it changes. Maybe we feel differently if they start four and one, right, and, and shock somebody. Um, and, and they get other people to buy on board, ranked prospects that we don't have. But I just don't see the relationships there that, that say that is going to happen or there's a good chance that that happens. So I, I think it is totally fair to be concerned. I think it's totally fair. Um, to think, hey, Seth, maybe we need to look at the way we're selling this because not enough people are buying in. And it's not just we're not winning games. Right? Like There there still is are some bad teams that are getting good prospects to buy in, right? And, that, and that's the concern, especially prospects that have been so interested in you prior. But winning would obviously be a cure for, for all of it. Let's pivot to this. Big Ten Media Days is on Thursday. Lovey Smith will talk to the media. He'll talk for a whole hour, so that'll be interesting to hear his thoughts on recruiting and how that goes down. Nate Hobbs, Alex Palcheski, and Reggie Corbin will also be up in Chicago. You and I will be up there. We've got a lot of content coming for you, a ton for the site, which will be really, really good. But Lovey Smith is going to be asked about recruiting. What do you want him to say? Well, How would you want him to address this? How should he address this? He's going to say... Um, we like where we are. We yeah. feel good about it. Um, that's what he'll say. I'd like him to say, yeah, we, we've missed on some, but we feel good about what we're going to show on the field this year, right? Like we, we feel like that's that's the next step is we've gotten people on board that we think are going to make a difference and show these recruits that maybe a pass on us or are waiting to see what we do on the field. We are very confident. Like that, that's all you need to say. Right, like I, I don't know if there's anything you can say that makes you feel a lot better, but that's a realistic take rather than say we feel good, like we're we're fine, we're we're going to be like say hey yeah we know we missed on some, 
But we think we're, we have the product now on the field. We've seen the offseason with, with Lou Hernandez. We've seen the guys who are bought into this program, how much they've improved and the playmakers and the speed we've seen. So I turn it around into we feel good about the team right now uh, because I do think there are some reasons for optimism. Yes. Um, you know, there's some playmakers that they're adding. They, they crushed it on the transfer market. Um, the staff might not like me being critical of, of some of their high school, but they killed it uh, on the transfer market. Even if Jeff Thomas didn't come here and, and A.D. Uh, Miller didn't come here, they did so well. Where They got some potential impact guys where they could make a the difference between making a bowl game or getting two upsets and, and not getting one. Um, so I think they did really well there. And, and I think Rod Smith and Isaiah Williams and Marquez Beeson, those are other reasons to be excited. The run game, Reggie Corbin is going to be up there. Alex Palczewski is going to be up there. Uh, and in the defense, I, I think the secondary is something to be excited about with guys like Nate Hobbs, who you know I love, and, and Quan Martin, who I thought had a, had a really good spring. So there are reasons to think that it is possible that they do have a breakthrough. Um, but it, they need that. They, they need to do that. We've seen Purdue do it. We've seen Minnesota do it. Why can't Illinois do it? Um, and, and I think it's, it's still possible, but they got to prove it now. I need football, too, in my life. I really right? do. Like, at Big Ten Media Day, is always fun. We need some training camp. We need some training camp. We need some, like, one-on-ones. Offensive linemen versus defensive linemen. Wide receiver versus cornerbacks. Like, that, that's what I need to feel better about this thing, right? You know what I mean? Like, you just need to see some what, of these dudes. What would make you feel best at training camp? Oh, man. Okay, so my biggest concern right now is defensive line. After the Bobby injury, uh, just horrific, right? I I write this defensive line primer, and I'm going up and down these guys, and I have no idea what I'm going to get from each of these. I have no idea what Owen Carney or Isaiah Gay or Wale Batiku or Ayo Shagbanyo is going to give me at defensive end. I like the depth of defensive tackle. Like, there's talent there. Yeah, there is. Like There's some guys who can play in the Big Ten and compete in the Big Ten. There's depth there. There's depth there, but they don't have a leader. They don't have the number one no doubt guy who's the disruptor right now i think it's right. jamal woods that's i agree i agree right? and, and he played four games last year like, who else is going to impact because that's what lovey smith's defense is predicated on guys getting up there winning their gap disrupting the backfield and making life easier for the the linebackers to make big plays and the secondary to make big plays and i think you got the secondary to make big yes. plays i think the linebackers will be improved i've heard good things about shimon cooper who i kind of had as my swing third string guy but he, he can compete for a second string spot but i've heard good things about him and and that he could make an impact right away um but they need those guys up front to do their job. And, you know, I, I, I like what I see out of Laredo Oladipo. I, yeah. I like what I see out of Jamal Woods. But the defensive ends and maybe the starters at defensive tackle and, and Calvin Avery still, I, I think I, you like his ceiling, I like his ceiling, but still haven't seen it consistently. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we, we talk so much about the offense and Rod and the offensive line and the run game, and that's great. But really, at the end of the day, the defense is going to be the reason why Illinois gets back to success or why they struggle, right? And I if think the offense does what it does last year, and the defense makes a similar jump to the offense, it's a no doubt bowl team. Easily a bowl team, no doubt bowl team they, with, with with the seventieth rank offense and seventieth rank defense. That's yes. a bowl team. Yeah, and and, and <laughs> but, but but we look at the secondary and we go, okay, Sidney Brown, Tony Adams, Nate Hobbs, Quan Martin, Marquez Beeson, and Stanley Green. You like those dudes, right? Those are five dudes that I really like. Stanley Green has his flaws, but he's still a productive Big mm-hmm. Ten player that can play on play on our team, right? But the linebackers, 
I kind of I've kind of been on board at that. You're kind of getting the closer with them. I, they're going to be faster. They're going to be more athletic. It really comes down to this defensive line for me. And if the defensive line, if Isaiah Gay has a bounce back junior year where he's finally healthy and gets going, if Owen Carney looks like the kid out of high school that turned down all of these other offers to go to Illinois, right? If those guys could, could play well, if Batiku touches into his upside as a former five star kid and, and realizes what type of player he could be, and these defensive tackles, there's just got six or seven of them that can play. This defense could be good. It's just, just you needed Roundtree, right? You just they, they need, desperately they, needed Roundtree. And they need to be well coached. Yeah. I, I don't think you can argue that they weren't coached well enough last year. How, how do you decline when you get older? I, it, it didn't make any sense to me. You were older and more experienced, and they declined. So, Lovey Smith taking over that defense, I do like that more than Hardy Nickerson. Me too. But he's got he's got to prove that that it'll work at this level. Um, then offensively, Trayvon Sidney, I've heard really good things about Isaac, and uh, they think he can be a major player for them. Um, so you had that with my boy Donnie Navarro. Oh my God! Did you see him <laughs> join the three blue club? That's right, man. Don't don't. I mean, that's a productive Division One receiver. That right? is. He didn't have one of those outside of Ricky Smalling last year. Hey, and um, Edwin Carter's actually running around a little bit too. Yeah. So maybe he gets involved but but of course the quarterbacks oh that's, right? this is gonna like, be so fun all right is our quarterback calibrator gonna be hopping and ready to roll from week one ready yeah, to go yeah it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be fun um you'd like it to not even have a calibrator next year right that, that whoever it is whether it's peters or williams that it's no doubt who the starter is next year because he was so good this year and led illinois to a bowl game um i've heard great things about isaiah williams this summer <laughs> i try not to get people too excited about it but he's a different kind of freshman he, he absolutely is, and he's got an electric skill set. Then you got Brandon Peters, who reminds me of Wes Lunt in some good ways because Wes in practice was fantastic. Wes had some games that were really good, and he didn't have enough talent around him. But those are two very different quarterbacks, and it'll be very interesting to see who adapts to this offense quicker, who performs better in this offense quicker. But I feel like you have two guys you can compete with. Yeah, um, well, we all but know do where you get, I'm at. Do you, know, do, you, do you get better? I think your ceiling is obviously with Isaiah Williams. Yeah. Your floor, I think, is with Brandon Peters. Yeah, yeah I, I'm on board. I'm on the Isaiah Williams train. I, I think that that makes a lot more sense. I think you can give an identity. I it's think a lot more exciting. It. It's a, so much more exciting. It makes it more interesting. I think that a, a, a backfield with Isaiah, Reggie Corbin, Mike Epstein, whatever, name a running back. You had Kyron Cumbie's speed to that mix. It's exciting. You can see I, where this offense looks really, really good. But they're freshman quarterbacks. I mean, how many true freshman quarterbacks come in and play really well from day one? It's rare. Adrian Martinez, right? And most of them, other ones don't. Uh, most of them really, really struggle, like Art Sikowski. I mean, remember uh, Juice Williams' freshman yeah, year? Yeah, it was terrible Horrible. his freshman year because um, he wasn't ready. He was raw, right? I think Isaiah Williams, this Isaiah Williams is actually way more prepared than him, right? And that's what's so exciting about it. Like, MJ Rivers was solid. Uh, I think Brandon Peters can kind of do similar things to what MJ was, but I, I think I think you talk to people in the program, I think they'd like Isaiah Williams to win this job. Right, I think they'd like to see that, but unlike some other people, Isaac, I'm not going to say they should start him right. without seeing him at practice. No, right, exactly. like that's why you have training camp is is to have these guys compete and perform in that pressurized environment. Because if you don't perform well in that environment, you're probably not going to perform well in front of whether it's thirty thousand or seventy or hundred thousand. Absolutely. Last thing before we let you go, Westgate Superbook released its college football odds. Right, they have the over under for Illinois at four and a half. FanDuel, I think, had it at three and a half. I think on Bovada, you can get it at I'd three. I'd pound that. I'd right. pound that at yeah. uh, FanDuel. Yeah, and then Caesars Palace had it at four. Where are you going there? If, if the over under is four and a half, what you taking? Well, I'm I'm negative guy, right? No, yes. I I would go I would go over all of those. I I I still think I've said until until otherwise. I think this is four, five and seventeen. Do you know why? Because they are old. 
You're finally yeah, they're old. experienced. I, I, I believe in Rod Smith. I, I believe that experience and strength will all matter. Depth will matter. And boy, they finally added speed to offense. So yeah. this offense, even though I'm not going to say it's definitely going to take another big leap, I think it can. Right. Um, I, so I think this offense could be very exciting. I think that can be the identity that you sell. I just, can I say the defense is going to be better? Can I say the quarterback position is going to be better? I hope so. I think it will be, but the hard part is the rest of the Big Ten just got better, right? Like, you just can't go into games outside of Rutgers in the non conference where you go, yeah, I like it. I love Illinois' chances there, right? Like, because Purdue crushed you last year. Minnesota, you crushed, but they then went and won a couple of huge games and got to a bowl game. They returned still good. Yeah, they return way more experience than you. So I think they'll get an upset. I, I just can I pick two right now. That's the hard part for me. I'd have to see a lot more during camp, especially de- defensively. Yeah, it's going to come down to Northwestern in, in week 12. It'll be very, very interesting. Jeremy, good stuff. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Isaac. Good stuff with that. We are going to get Derek Piper on in a couple minutes. First, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk Peach Jam, Io DeSumo getting a ton of love from John Rothstein, and some Italy practices and Samba Kane with Derek Piper. Stick with us on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to episode seven of the Illini Inquirer podcast. We talked a little bit of football with Jeremy Warner, and now it's time to talk a little bit of basketball with Derek Piper. Derek, you've been on the road at Peach Jam. Are you back? You feel settled in after that? I feel like that was a whirlwind of stuff that you had to do. Yeah, it really was. Actually, not back yet. Uh, and I'll tell you, I love this podcast enough to get pulled off the beach at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, to come and talk some hoops with you and Peach Jam and everything, uh, making a nice little. Uh, couple days stop there before I head back to Champaign. My family's down here, so uh, enjoying that, unwinding a little bit, of course, pranking out the content, but uh, excited to talk about Peach Jam, and that live period is one of my favorite times of year. Okay, so take me through what Peach Jam is for a guy like you. I feel like it's hoops from the like beginning of the day to the very end. I would love something like that, but as a guy like that, that loves recruiting, that loves seeing a lot of ball, when you go down to Peach Jam, and you have 12 or 13 hours of straight basketball. Is that like frustrating? Is that, does that get tiring after a while, or is it just something that you enjoy constantly from, day, from the beginning right to the end? Uh, you know, it's something you definitely got to mentally prepare for. Uh, you know what you're, you're getting into. Uh, at the same time, it's something you're really, really excited about. So uh, you kind of go into the week knowing you're not going to sleep a ton, and, and it kind of starts with the drive down. Uh, but, you know, when you're sitting there after a full day of basketball, there was a game at – the first game is at 9 a.m., uh, and you're in the gym, and then uh, you're still there at uh, 11 p.m. at night. Uh, team, why not, playing macaroon fire, and you're tired and you haven't eaten dinner. And uh, But, you know, you got Namari Burnett and, and Adam Miller and Addison Patterson and Ryan Kalkbrenner and Marcus Watson all on the floor at the same time. Oh, by the way, Michael Foster, the five-star from Milwaukee. Uh, you can't walk away from that game. So uh, it's a grind. I mean, you, you're able to dip out a little bit first you know some food and, and maybe go back to the hotel and write a story but uh and then you do it all again the next day uh in the gym the next morning so 
uh, it's definitely a lot of basketball, but at the same time, it's an experience that you just can't really get uh, any other time when you you put all the best players in the same arena, uh, all the coaches. And this was a cool experience for me. I also got to go to Adidas uh, in Birmingham, Alabama. So uh, to be able to do that for the first time, see some of those targets, uh, for the first time ever, it really was an exciting week. This was a new schedule, right? Having Adidas and Peach Jam at the same time, right? Like, did you like it? Did you hate it? What was the feedback from that? Yeah, some of it's gotten moved around. Uh, they they used to like to stagger where the Under Armour Adidas and Peach Jam finals weren't all the same weekend. I think there's an understanding that a lot of times the Peach Jam is going to get the nod from a lot of coaching staffs. Uh, and when you, in the old calendar, would have three eval periods all for AAU uh, during the July, then they were able to kind of move that around. And a lot of times they would use that last weekend um, for one of them to kind of stagger them out. But uh, th- in this new year uh, in July, you only have one eval period designated for AAU. Uh, this week is going to be off, no live period. There's going to be some guys playing at camps. Some guys, AAU teams are going to be out and about. You know, the summer jam in Milwaukee is still going to go on, but uh, you know, some top targets just aren't going to play. And, and then after that, there will be the NCAA camp, uh, a couple different locations. Champaign is one of those. Uh, we'll hold judgment for that, but I don't think expectations are too high as far as having top targets, especially from the 2020 class, really involved in those camps. So, uh, coaches don't love it. I think that June was a step forward as far as the top 100 camp was something that a lot of high major programs wanted to get out to. Um, And also just a couple more eval opportunities at the same time. I think that many coaches, I know Brad Underwood for sure wanted more time around his team in June. Uh, And then July, I think that they would at least like two AAU live periods back instead of just having one. But of course that puts more pressure on maximizing this past week. And I think everybody in the country tried to do that. So, all right, so as we go into this class, I feel like the big conversation in the state of Illinois was G.J. Stewart or Adam Miller, who's the number one guy. And Joe Hendrickson, who does a great do- job up in Chicago, he just made his switch, right? He, he puts D.J. Stewart as the number one player in the state. Obviously, Stewart picks up an offer from Duke over while he was in Peach Jam. But, you know, I, I, felt, I felt it was kind of weird. Mean Streets didn't play very well. Didn't they go 0-5? Like, D.J. had a great weekend DJ and, and did awesome and put up big-time numbers but they go 0-5, and, and he picks up the Duke offer. How big is that Duke offer for Illinois' for Illinois push here? I mean, you're able to get him on campus, but it always felt like Texas was still the leader, and it took a while to get him on campus. Now he gets Duke. Is this it? Does this mean it's over, or is this a Mark Smith situation where you know Mark Smith gets an offer from Duke, but is it really committable? Are we really sure what's going on here? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, Main Streets went 1-4. and four. They, they struggled with the team. DJ, of course, though, had a a really good, another strong showing. He's been strong on the AAU circuit, the EYBL circuit. He was all spring. He was spectacular. Peach Jam again, you know, averaged really throughout the full EYBL season, 23 points a game, shot nearly 40% from three. And that's against the best competition in the country. So uh, you can't argue with what he's put on paper, with what he's put on film. Uh, and, and yeah, when, when Duke offers you, uh, that's a game changer. It's, it's an offer that, He'll tell you that he's dreamed about since he was a kid. That's not really unique to to DJ. I think a lot of players would tell you that. Uh, do they want him more than you know Duke or Kentucky wanted Mark Smith? I, I'd probably say so. 
but do they want him as much as John Calipari wanted Cleo Whitney? Uh, I think that's something that is yet to be determined. Uh, Brandon Boston is, is really the number one target for Duke at the two guard. They already have five-star point guard committed in Jeremy Roach. So I think that they've kind of got to pick their lane of whether they're going to wait on Boston, who also has a Kentucky offer, or whether they're going to press DJ and try to get him on the board. And uh, it'll also be interesting to see how DJ really processes this. I think the initial excitement from Duke, because it is Duke, uh, that's going to you know bring a lot of feelings of, wow, you know, how can I make a choice other than this? But uh, if a couple weeks go by and then you realize maybe I don't go in there and start right away, maybe I, I get in a confident situation where I'm not the guy, and, of course, at Illinois, Texas, and Louisville, uh, that would be the case. So uh, that still is yet to play out, but it, it's hard to sit here and act like you know nothing changed or, or this wasn't really a ground-shaking thing for the others who, who were really involved early. But as far as you mentioned it with Joe really making the switch, uh, putting DJ over Adam Miller, and it's not really a, a, a disrespect to Adam, although I will say that I, I wanted more from him this week. Uh, his numbers are good as far as production, but he – wasn't very efficient. He shot below 40% from the field. He shot below 18% from three. He's got to do more uh, as far as impacting the game than just being a jump shooter because when he's not knocking those down, he's got to be able to make other players better. And that's something that we've talked about, uh, you know, constantly throughout the spring and into the summer. So, uh, you know, he's kind of fallen, turned it down a little bit. I, I think the final rankings, he may be closer to that 50 range, you no know, 35 to 50, where, you know, DJ. Looks like he's in the conversation for a McDonald's All-American, a top 25 player in the class. Well, it's funny because, right, remember in the class of 2018 when it was I over Taylor Horton Tucker, and then you have in this one, in this class, it's Adam Miller versus DJ Stewart, and then next year you're going to have the Max Christie versus Bryce Hopkins, right? Like It feels like the state of Illinois, the depth of the talent might not be what it absolutely was before in the past, but at the top... You really can't go wrong here. And, and and you're right. Adam Miller didn't have a great thing. What was he, 7 for 40 from 3 down in Peach Jam? But at the end of the day, if Illinois lands Adam Miller to you know be the guy after I had Asumu, nobody's going to be complaining in Champaign, right? Like this, like these are still really, really, really good targets. And what did you see, though, overall from Adam outside of that? Is he still, like, was he just struggling because he was the number one guy? Matt Irvin Fire didn't really have a great showing at Peach Jam. Like, what was wrong there? Yeah, Mac Irvin went 0-5, um, but you mentioned it. I mean, Illinois is going to be ecstatic if you get a guy like Adam Miller. And you think back to even Io's time uh, on the EYBL circuit or throughout high school. I mean, this wasn't a guy we, we kind of forget and he's made us forget that he didn't go, you know, from the end of his high school career into Illinois where you're like, man, this guy's a, a good shooter. Uh, I think that at the end of both THT and Io's senior seasons, you're kind of wondering, you know, is THT the better player at this point? So there is some, you know, some movement potential to, to you know, improve your game and all of that. And that, there's going to be an opportunity for Adam there, and I think that Illinois would feel good, number one, about his raw talents and then also the ability to, uh, you know, improve on what, what needs working for him. But, yeah, I think that it's just the situation of, of kind of get caught up in, uh, you know, being maybe a little too anxious uh, of where you, you catch the ball and you're 30 feet from the, the basket, 20, you know, anywhere that 25, 30 feet range, and you know that you have in, in the gym range. As soon as you step in the gym, this is a guy that can make shots from anywhere on the floor. But, uh, and you, you know, when your team's struggling, when you're losing games, and uh, while Mac Irvin has a lot of talent, just as a team, they, they didn't have it going. Uh, I think that Adam maybe forced the issue a little bit. But in general, I, I think it's just been more about, constantly trying to get to the rim get to the free throw line because because he's 
I mean, he's six foot three. He's got a pretty good build to him. Uh, you know, he's not the the bruiser or anything, but uh, he does have very very good off the dribble skills. His handles are very good. Uh, the pull up jumper is really good. Maybe you know, step inside. Don't be afraid to take that mid range. You know, get in the lane and and dish it off to Michael Foster when the, the big man cheats over to challenge the shot because Michael Foster is going to dunk on somebody or Ryan Kalkbrenner is seven feet tall and he's going to reach up there and put the ball in the hoop. So uh, I just think overall just thinking the game and making the right plays, that's something where Adam isn't as far advanced where maybe he should have been. I think that his ball skills early on in his high school career were really advanced and maybe the playmaking hasn't come along quite as much as we hoped. But then again, you're getting really picky with, you know, a top 30, top 40 player. Uh, these guys are, you know, 16, 17 years old. They're going to have faults in their game. And, and that's why, you know, coaches in college make over a million bucks or whatever they're making to, to you know, really bring that out in them. So I, I think that, as you mentioned, Illinois would be thrilled with either DJ or Adam. But I, right now, DJ is, you know, definitely a step, if not two steps ahead of Adam as far as uh, what he's shown on the AU circuit. Well, Adam Miller comes out with his top 10. Uh, a couple days ago, so we, it's Northwestern, Arizona, Kansas, Missouri, Louisville, North Carolina State, Wake Forest, Arizona State, Illinois, and Chicago State. Interesting throwing Chicago State in there. Okay, so we look at this yeah. top ten, and I feel like for a long time the buzz – we had Joe Hendrickson on the Jeremy Warner Show a couple months ago, and he was saying Illinois is doing great with Adam Miller. You've said – wrote multiple times how well Illinois is doing with Adam Miller. Who's their biggest competition in this top ten? What offers should scare Illinois fans? Well, Kansas is still in there. I think we've got I think sometimes we forget that because they haven't really been mentioned by Adam throughout the spring. And, and really, Adam hasn't done a whole lot of talking uh, about his recruitment. But I think the, the understanding is that, you know, Kansas maybe hasn't been as serious uh, about him recently. The offer is still there. Jaron Tower, you still see him at quite a few of Adam's games. But it's a little bit different than how Illinois is prioritizing him and and what Kansas is doing. I don't know if this is a factor, but you know, you also have the, well, Io from Morgan Park went to Illinois, had a lot of success. Charlie Moore from Morgan Park went to Kansas and, and didn't. So I, I think that 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 is there. That, but you know, guys are different players. So at the same time, uh, Louisville is another one that's made him a priority. He went down there for a visit in June. I would say they are one of the the handful that are really actually worth noting on that list. Look, nothing against Adam. A whole lot of guys put out top 10 lists, top 15s, whatever. Uh, but there aren't 10 schools that have a shot at landing Adam Miller right now, if we're being honest. Chicago State, obviously, you know, Lance Irvin is there, and that's out of respect. But uh, Arizona State's another one that he's talked about as, as wanting to get out there for a visit. Arizona ha- has watched him. Uh, they're involved. Sean Miller was at a game uh, when they were playing Damari Burnett and Aston Patterson. So I'm sure, you know, he, he got a chance to watch a couple of targets. Uh, but I, I just think it's kind of similar to the Iowa one where you don't really look at another program and be like, man, we this is going to be really tough. Uh, that's just kind of how I see it right now. Things can play out, and uh, and we'll have to hear from Adam's mouth uh, as far as uh, where schools really stack up. But you know, everything I've heard so far, and I put it in a crystal ball for Illinois, and uh, I still feel really good about that. Okay, so let's go to a couple other Mac Urban Fire guys. I look at Ryan Kalkbrenner and Marcus Watson. Marcus Watson had some really, really good games early at Peach Jam. I think he had a game where, what, he dropped 26, and he had a game with, what, 11 assists, playing at a high, high level. But Illinois is still pushing for Andre Cabrello, another another point guard that they might like a little bit more. But, all right, let's go to this. Ryan Kalkbrenner or Marcus Watson, which guy showed you more? Marcus Watson was the better player. Maybe, 
you know, the most consistent game-to-game player on Mac Urban Fire this week. And that's just really impressive to me. This is a guy that, you know, we rep 24-7 sports. That's who we're with. But uh, I'm not going to pull a punch and say that it, you know, makes any sense that he's not, you know, ranked or or rated right now. He should be a three-star at the very minimum. Uh, He should be in the top 250, top 200. Top 200, no doubt, in, in my opinion. When he is that productive time and again on the EYBL circuit, it's one thing to do it for one session. You know, you show up. Uh, in Indianapolis and that four good games, and, and that's just a small sample size. To do it from the spring all the way to the summer, at PCM he averaged 15 points a game. I understand the concerns with him, you know, jump shooting uh, in the half court uh, and how that translates, but you're playing against high major players on a, a consistent basis in the OIBL, and uh, his transition game is fantastic. He's off the dribble, his passing. Uh, Ryan struggled a little bit with the physicality. I think the teams watched or paid attention to what they saw from him in the spring and said, you know, this is a guy that we can be a little more physical with, that we can kind of move him out, whether it be on the offensive end or defense. Uh, of course, when he gets challenged in the paint uh, on defense, he's got the length to, to alter and, and block shots. Uh, so we saw that one game he had seven blocks. But but as far as his rebounding wasn't quite as productive as the spring, his scoring, he struggled a little bit, just getting pushed around. And, and that's, I mean, that's natural for a guy that's, Seven foot and big men develop a little bit uh, slower, and, and he's not the most athletic. He's not that athletic compared to some other big big guys that you face. But I wasn't super surprised, to be honest with you. I, I thought that he'd struggle more with that in the spring than he did, and that's a credit to him. He was the defensive player of the year in the UIBL. So I, I'm excited about Ryan's upside. But Marcus, yet again, uh, you know he's he's not going away. He, he's going to be there on Illinois' priority list, and uh, he once again showed that he should be taken seriously. How impressive was Andre Curbelo? Oh, man, I, I love him. I absolutely love him. Uh, I, I got a chance to see him for the very first time live on Thursday, sitting there uh, next to Orlando Antigua and Brad Underwood. And I understand why those guys are so serious about him because his his feel, his playmaking, his passing, uh, he's got a little bit of a, a swagger to him. Uh, all of that is, is off the charts off the charts and you're sitting there, you know, in the, the row of coaches and you can overhear some things and, uh, you know, I'll share with, share with you, you overhear the, the phrase, well, you know, he plays more like a, a 10 year vet in the league than he does a 17 year old, uh, as far as just, uh, the natural playmaking and the, just the right, the right, make the right play, uh, the way he can dictate the defense and transition, you know, he's going to sprint to the right wing He's going to just rub against the defender who's sagging off, who doesn't want to give up the lane, and he's just going to you know, give a pocket pass right to the three-point shooter, and it's wide open. And a lot of point guards at this stage, just they don't think like that. They don't see that the way that he sees it. So I, I think that when you look at Illinois' recruiting right now, they're recruiting Adam Miller, they're recruiting DJ Stewart, recruiting Damari Burnett. Those are some of their high, high priorities who have ties to the state, who are combo guards that can really score. They want to pair that similarly to Andres Feliz with a true playmaking point who's going to be there for a few years. Andre needs to develop his shot a little bit more. He needs to get stronger. He, if he goes to Illinois, wherever he's going to go, I, I would imagine he's there for at least three years, and, and he would be a coach's dream. And anybody's backcourt for that many years and the way he's going to develop. And, uh, you know, there's a reason that Brad Underwood's taking his time to watch the, the live streams of the, the FIBA. U19 World Cup in Greece. You know that usually there's 
coaches are trying to either be with their teams or be with their families. But uh, when someone's that good and you're prioritizing someone that highly, uh, you're going to do that. And Andre Curbelo has, has made the staff definitely uh, make him a top priority. When Illinois hired Orlando Antigua, I felt like it was easy for people to be like, okay, we got a Kentucky assistant and he's going to get us everybody, right? And, and that's not the case. And there was some early um, – maybe our expectations were a little bit too high for Antigua and, and that kind of soured some people on him. But overall, you look at the dudes that he's brought in over the last few years and the dudes that he's getting Illinois in on, whether that's an Andres Feliz. I mean, Kofi Coburn is huge. Georgia Bashanishvili, he gives Illinois such a wide net. He's huge for Andre Corbello right now with, with his connections in Puerto Rico. That's a great hire, right? That's an awesome, awesome hire. And if we're, you know, you can rank assistants or whatever. Orlando Antigua might be number one on that list for what he is doing right now and giving Illinois such a wide net, giving Illinois such an ability to attract people from all over the globe. When you're struggling in state recruiting, you have a guy like Orlando Antigua that's getting you involved with prospects like Georgie, prospects like Kofi. Like, I feel like he is not quite getting maybe the respect that he deserves from uh, from some people with how how good he really has been on the recruiting trail. There's no doubt about it. And I, you look at the Illinois roster they're going to roll out this year and you, you pick the top five players or the top five or six players and, and you know, Kofi, Georgie, and, and Andres are, are three that Orlando's very, very responsible for. I, I know that with Georgie that you had Brad – who, who was the one that really saw him and said, I want that guy. But at the same time, there's a reason that Orlando has you in that gym, has Brad seen that game. Uh, and he obviously helped in landing that. Kofi was hugely, you know, hugely responsible. You don't get Kofi Coburn without uh, without Orlando Antigua. You, you don't get Andres Felice, who he had committed at South Florida uh, before he left there. You don't get him without Orlando Antigua. And I think that, What's been interesting is that, yeah, as you mentioned, he's a former Kentucky assistant. You're like, well, you can maybe count on a five-star every one or two years or, or whatever that may be uh, that we're going to be in on. We're going to have a legit chance on him. We might land uh, because that's who he is and that's what he's known for. And He knows how to recruit those high-profile guys. You look at his history and he's worked with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins and all down the line. What I think that's been a little bit – Overlook or what's not overlooked anymore, but what we overlooked at the time is the international connections and the fact that you know he he knows in Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, or just anybody that's played in FIBA that's played in the FIBA World Cup, and he goes over there every summer uh, when they have that to watch that, and uh, he's of course very connected in the the East Coast area, and yeah, he's been I think now that there's been time for him to to really put his stamp on on Illinois, put his stamp on the recruiting efforts. Uh, he's been fantastic. And, and again, if Andre Curbelo, uh, I just raved about him and told you how good he is. Uh, you know, Orlando knows his dad personally. Uh, Orlando played professionally in Puerto Rico. His his mom is from Puerto Rico. Andre's from Puerto Rico. His dad and Orlando knew each other for, for a while uh, before, you know, Andre was, was coming up and being a player. So, again, if he's able to help you land that guy, this is someone that's that yeah, uh, a year and a half ago, before you got George, before you got Kofi, there there were complaints of of you know what's Orlando doing? This isn't what we expected to get, and all of a sudden, I don't think you would hear anything like that right now. Okay, so as we looked at the class of 2020, it felt like DJ Stewart, Adam Miller were the top two guys. You also have Ryan Kalkbrenner that Illinois feels good about, Andre Curbelo, the Marcus Watsons, all that good stuff. 
Who are we not talking enough about? Is there a guy that you saw this weekend in the class of 2020 that kind of caught your eye where Illinois is doing better than maybe you expected that they could maybe think it could be a realistic yeah, add think, to this class? Yeah, yeah. I think there are two that, that really stand out, and I've written articles about both um, on Alana Enquirer that you can check out. Uh, the first one is, is Keon Ambrose. Keon Ambrose Hilton from Canada. He's a top 100, kind of a, a three slash four. He could be a stretch four in this system. Uh, as far as playing on the perimeter, he's got the perimeter skills. He's got the length. He's got the athleticism. I was watching him on Saturday play against Brad Beal lead, and he almost threw a dunk on Cameron Fletcher, which you know you got to be pretty impressive to do that. And he got fouled and uh, put up big numbers at the Peach Invitational, over 20 points a game, over seven rebounds per game. And, and I think he would kind of be an ideal. You know, he's similar as far as uh, the length and the athleticism as Tev, uh, maybe a little bit. I think he's a little bit quicker. He's a little bit more quick twitch uh, than, than Tev is uh, and, and maybe does a little bit different things as far as Tev's a better three-point shooter, Keon a little more advanced off the dribble uh, and can rebound a little bit better. So uh, I watched him at Peach Invitational. was pretty impressed. Talked to him after uh, the game. And I, I think Illinois, he told me he's planning to take a visit to Champaign. Uh, you can read the full update again on the Atlanta Enquirer. And uh, I think he's pretty excited about Illinois. The other one, that I was really surprised, and, and I was kind of getting told in the on the coach's row that you know you're going to be excited to watch this one. It's probably going to surprise you. Is that key? And, and he plays high school and AAU with Andre Curbelo. He, he's six foot eight, probably you know could be considered undersized five. He, he probably, but he has the skill set I think to play the four. Uh, he, he's just really really good on the block as, as a scorer. You get it to him in the post, left hand, right hand. You, you start talking. Uh, you know, his footwork isn't Georgie, but as far as just the consistency, when you pound it inside and he can go either way and he's going to put the ball in the basket, that kind of reminds me uh, of what Georgie provides. And also, uh, you know, as far as what I've heard, is he can put the ball on the floor, he can stretch it out the perimeter a little bit, and he rebounds. He was one of the top rebounders at the NBA Top 100 camp uh, back in June. So that's another one where Illinois got in with an offer pretty early. It's one we haven't talked about throughout the spring and summer really at all. And I think that it's it's one where now that you see that this past week that he's he's a legit priority and he's someone that you're going to be hearing a lot about going forward and uh, someone that fans should, should definitely pay attention to. Illinois doesn't have any commits in this class of 2020, but I oddly feel really, really good about where they are with Adam Miller. You feel really good about where you are with Ryan Kalkbrenner. It just feels like one of these things where after a 21-loss season and one of the worst seasons in Illinois basketball history, there shouldn't be this much good momentum around Illinois basketball, right? Like <laughs> It feels a little bit weird that we're hyping up this team. Like We're seeing John Rothstein put out a sumo as a first-team All-Big Ten guy. We're seeing you know, Andy Katz is super high on Illinois, has them 21st in the country in his rankings. Like, Is this kind of catching you off guard with how well they're doing on the recruiting trail, developing relationships, and, and with kind of the hype that they're getting from from outsiders you know, and in big name college basketball guys. Yeah, it's expectations. It's it's you're at a point where the program is expected to take off, and I think no matter how you view it as a fan or, or someone that you know is familiar with the program or whatnot, whether you're in between or you're on the positive side, you, you know you're expecting this you know Illinois to blow up this year, go to the tournament and get a really good class, and, and all of a sudden this program gets back to where it's supposed to be, or you're on the negative side and like believe it when I see it and all that. I think it's a great time uh, to really just let this thing play out in the next 
you know, eight to ten months, and we're going to know a ton uh, about where this program is going because, uh, you know, in the past, I will say that they have, you know, going into last fall, I think you felt pretty good about E.J. Liddell and maybe pretty good about Drew Timmy. I think, you know, comparing those to, obviously, Adam Miller, Ryan Kalkbrenner, I think they're totally different as far as the connections you had and where you're at and where you're sitting. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm one of those that expects this team to – to be a tournament team, and then if you can respond to that and also at the same time in the recruiting class, recruiting aspect of stack more talent, bring in another successful class, all of a sudden I I do think that that positivity is warranted and and you're going where you want to go. So uh, I I think that people should be excited. I I think at the same time you got to understand that you got to close on people in the fall. That's the big, big thing. Uh, This staff has done a really good job of, building relationships, the assistants have worked their butts off. Uh, they, they bring guys to the table, and it's up to the staff as a whole, but really, you know, let's be honest, it's up to Brad Underwood to, to close on that. And Brad Underwood's going to have to do that in the fall uh, with some of these guys that uh, the assistants have done a good job on. And that's not a knock on him because Brad's building the relationships. I think he's gotten better with his involvement, uh, and he has more to sell. Uh, obviously, Io is a, it's a prime example of that as you know, it's not just, well, we're going to do this. It's, you know, we've we've put this guy, you know, with Io's talent, no knock on him, but we've helped put him in NBA conversations. He's on draft boards. He's yeah. in first-round mocks and all that stuff. And, you know, preseason prognosticators are putting us in the tournament. They're putting us in the top half of the Big Ten. So uh, I think that the excitement is great for recruiting, but it's also great for the fans because, let's be honest, you know, six years without a tournament berth is way too long. Absolutely. Uh, one more recruiting one, then we're going to get to Sam McCain, the, the news that he's entering the transfer portal. But I look at the class of 2019, and there were times where you go, okay, Drew Timmy, EJ Liddell, Khalil Whitney, dream class, boom, done, right? And that's just not realistic, and that's just not how recruiting goes. But I, but I look at this class of 2020, and I go, it's very realistic that Illinois could have a class with Andre Curbelo, Ryan Kalkbrenner, and Adam Miller together at the top of that class. Is that a feasible thing? And if so what would you kind of grade that class right at the top with those three guys, if those three guys, if Illinois is able to get those three guys to hop on board? Yeah, I do think it is feasible. I think it's something you can pull off. Uh, I think Adam is someone that understands that, you know, he can play with multiple point guards, that he's, a, he's more of a combo and he can somewhat, I mean, how, if you showed him tape or film of, of Andre Cabello and what he does for the shooters around him, for the offensive weapons around him and sets, how he sets them up, how, how would you not want that? How, how would you not want to play with someone like that? Of course, also for a year, you'll be in the backcourt with Trent Frazier, another one who they can take pressure off each other. They both can shoot the ball. They're, they're really similar. I just think that Adam has a bigger build and obviously more high profile. And as far as NBA aspirations, uh, they're probably a little more realistic or they are more realistic with Adam versus Trent. Uh, but yeah, with Andre Curbelo, with the connections you have with Antigua, the opportunity if you try to sell him on being your point guard. Uh, Adam Miller, obviously, uh, and Ryan Kalkman are two guys that I have crystal balls in. Uh, Ryan, with the ability to play close to home, the Trinity Catholic factor, uh, you can come to campus and you know see some familiar faces with Isaiah Williams and Shimon Cooper. Uh, and, you know, Illinois was the first time major to, to believe in him, to offer him, and uh, it's very, very clear that they need a presence like him in the paint to play the defense they do, to have someone who can erase shots. Uh, and, yeah, as you kind of already teased, is Tom McCain's leaving. That's another guy that's out of the way uh, in the front court. And 
uh, someone, well, he hasn't left yet, but he's in the transfer portal. And usually when you do that, you have intentions of leaving. But if he does leave, all of a sudden Ryan uh, has an opportunity to come in and, and be someone that can have a clear path to make an impact with Illinois. So uh, I would grade that class. You know, that's, that's three top 100 guys. Uh, I think that Andre will be closer. Andre will probably trend up a little closer to the top 50. Adam may trend down a little bit to, you know, 40 and 50 range. But if you're getting two top 60 players and then, and then Ryan's is legit top 75, top 80, that's probably a B-plus class. And if you get another a wing in there, so, you know, someone like you know, DJ Gordon or, or Keon Ambrose to, to go along with it, all of a sudden you're, you're shaping up to be probably a top 30, top 25 class in the country and something that people should be uh, – you know, definitely excited about. Well, and you start to stack classes, right? With Io in, in 2018, then you had Kofi in 2019, then you had a class like that together. You start to see, okay, this is long, legitimate, sustainable success, and it would kind of validate that Brad Underwood versus Quanzo Martin kind of conversation that we were having because Quanzo brings in all this talent right away, but you still don't know long term whether you're, you you like Mizzou basketball. Where at Illinois, if you had a class like that, you go, okay, there's sustained success here for four or five or six more years. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that some people, I'm glad you brought up Frank Martin because I think some people do look at him. And of course, you're always probably comparing the, you know, the Ken Palm defensive stats or yeah. the, the records at West Virginia and South Carolina. And you can't really argue with what Bob Huggins did or has done at West Virginia with as far as coming from that coaching tree. I know that this past year uh, was a bad one for them. But overall, if you're going to what seems like uh, what's been a Sweet 16 or, uh, you know, a top five or six seed most years, uh, you're not complaining with that. But uh, it, it's harder to recruit for Frank Martin to recruit South Carolina versus and, and he did go to the Final Four and was able to build that up. And that was, uh, you know, a fantastic job, coaching job by him. Uh, but, co- you know, recruiting to Illinois versus recruiting South Carolina is pretty different, not only from number one of, of what talent is around you in the state of Illinois versus South Carolina, but also just the history of the poll and how much people care about basketball at Illinois. Uh, I think that people tend maybe not to look enough at what Frank Martin did at Kansas state and, and the type of talent that he pulled into there and then the success that they had there. So uh, yeah, no doubt about it. If you are able to get another good class in, in 2020 and really do well on the court and live up to some of these expectations, at least as far as being a tournament team. Yeah. You're, you're going to be sustainable. You're going to be someone that, all of a sudden is a factor consistently in the Big Ten, which, of course, fans, and I would say, and I think you would say as well, that's what we should all expect out of Illinois basketball. Illinois, throughout this entire offseason, we'd, we'd kind of talked about how there'd been no attrition, right? Not, not many guys leaving. Anthony Higgs leaves, but that's not really a, a shocker there with his medical stuff. Not sure if he'll ever be able to play basketball at the college level. Uh, but then Samba Kane announces that he is headed to the transfer portal. And I, I talked to a couple guys, and they go, yeah, leaving Brad like that, like, good luck coming back, right? You kind of burn that bridge. <laughs> and, like, it, it, feels, it feels inevitable that he is going to leave. Is this a situation where we should put a lot of stock into it? Because Trent Frazier, I mean, you had a Q&A with him, and he brought him up, right? Like, he had been really, really good at some length defensively and kind of improved. Brad Underwood raved about him. He, Samba talked about with Brett Behrens on WCIA about how happy he was to get back to Champaign after after going home. It, like, this just feels really, really weird. At wrong time, not many guys and not many teams have open scholarships. It just feels really odd. It's very, very odd. But I, I think... You hit the nail on the head when you, when you said that you put your name in the transfer portal. Good luck trying to come back. Uh, you know when 
Brad Underwood is not a coach where you can have one foot out the door or you can be 50% or 70% bought in. And it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't work. It doesn't mesh. Uh, and I think you also, you know, there's some strong-willed guys in that locker room now. There's some guys that take a lot of pride in playing for this program and playing for Illinois. I don't know how you, you know, say that you're interested in leaving and trying to talk to other coaches, other programs, and, and come back to, to Iowa Sumo and, and Georgie and, and say, you know, I want back in. I just don't think it happens. I'm not saying that Samba would do that. Clearly, for him to to make this move, he he fully intends to leave the program. But uh, yeah, it it is really odd. It's it's really it's the timing is is very odd and interesting, just for lack of a better term. Uh, it, had this happened in April, had this happened after classes were done in May, I wouldn't have been all that surprised. Uh, because I, I think that there are some, you know, some people around Samba. You know, Samba's expectations may have been to play more as a freshman. And, and when he, you know, he did come over uh, from Senegal to the United States, and there have been some some people around him that have directed him basketball wise. And I, they have very very high expectations for Samba King. And, and I think that you know they looked there and saw the, as a sophomore he's behind Kofi, he's behind Georgie. And while the coaching staff looks at it as from this guy has impressed us a little bit or, you know, a decent amount in, in summer workouts. We would love for him to play 10 minutes a game, come in, run the floor, block shots, and, and they they like the upside there. Uh, that may not be enough for Samba. It may not be enough for the people around him. At the same time, uh, it was something you would probably like to figure out earlier where you can have more options, more scholarship spots available at different programs. And, yeah, he's going to have to sit out wherever he goes next. So uh, it just seems – interesting it seems odd uh, of course the next step is puts more of a, more pressure on whether it be the boss man mm-hmm. skipper bernard kuma who's yet to be on campus uh, to kind of step up because you know kofi and georgie aren't going to be able to uh, satisfy all the minutes the five you know especially with the foul trouble that kofi's inevitably going to go through as a freshman that georgie has experienced a little bit uh, already you need someone to be able to step up there. If you're going to slide Georgia to the five, you need someone else in that rotation at the four. So uh, it's unfortunate for, for, for Illinois, but the same, it's not the biggest loss in the world, but it, yeah, it's just, uh, it's not something you see all the time of guys, you know, leaving right before a couple of weeks before you go to Italy and, uh, here in the middle of summer workouts. Yeah, it's funny because I I see a picture of Benjamin Bossman's Verdonk on on the Illinois Facebook or Illinois basketball Facebook page or Twitter. They put it on there, and he looks chiseled, right? And he was bigger than an eight, like bigger than most eighteen year olds look. And you go, okay, automatically, I've seen three pictures of him. He's gonna be a four. He's gonna work out great, right? Or, or Kipper Nichols, he's gonna get right back to shooting thirty eight percent from three and score ten points a game like he did his sophomore year. It, it's just tough, like because it, it felt like when you looked at this front court. Illinois finally has options. They can do a little different things. We could see Brad Underwood's X's and O's coach. We all talked about how that's what his skill set is. That's what his strength is. We could have seen that come to fruition a little bit more with Samba involved. And now without him, it means Georgie plays the five more. That opens up more minutes at the four. And and let's be honest, Kipper Nichols needs to play at a high level. You can't shoot 21% from three anymore. You can't refuse to look at the basket and refuse to rebound and play defense or play lackadaisical and and let guys – like against Georgetown, Mac McLean, uh, what's his name, Mac McLean, I think, it takes the steal, goes and just dunks it on your head, right? Like, it feels like Samba leaving puts all the emphasis on Kipper needing to put it together and get back to being a productive, solid eighth or seventh man in this rotation if Illinois wants to achieve the success that they need to at a high level. Yeah, it does. 
it, it seems like it's it's really really crucial. And I know that, yeah, at, you know, isolated. And you just look at Samba and you, you think how how important is he to next year? You probably don't rate it and grade it all that high. But you know that that four that five rotation is all of a sudden thin, and, and that four spot where you, you know if Georgie's playing more at the five, that takes him away and. Uh, Tev's got to step up with the four and be able to rebound, be able to defend some physical fours because even though Jordan Murphy's all out of the league, even though Tyler Cook's out of the league, uh, you know, there are going to be fours like Lamar Stevens, uh, Jalen Smith, who are going to be tough to deal with. And you're going to have to have an answer. And I'm not saying Samba Kane was that. I'm not saying that, you know, that Samba, you know, was a game changer as far as that goes, but still, uh, it, it just kind of emphasizes more that, yeah, Kipper Nichols is someone you played in the Big Ten. We have some young guys. We have the boss man coming in. He's never been in the United States before, uh, and, and now he's here. And, yeah, he looks good uh, physically, and, and he's got some skills, and they're excited about his upside. But uh, as a as a senior in Kipper and, and someone who has been through the weight room, has been through the Big Ten and, and knows the system and all that, he doesn't really have any excuses. And, and I know the coaching staff has kind of erred on the side of not trying to put too much pressure on him because he was mentally broke at the end of last year. He was just no confidence, and uh, it was something that, you know, a necessary refresh for him. But there's nothing to lose at this point uh, for for Kipper. And I think that if there was one thing that, uh, you know, Brad wanted to emphasize with him is is kind of have no regrets in this last year. Play as hard as you can. If you're going to make mistakes, play hard and do that because instead of, the inconsistencies as far as showing up and playing hard and being tough, uh, those are things that you know he, he can control. And, and missing shots, yeah, that, that's going to happen. Uh, but no doubt, Kipper's got to be able to step up. And it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, Benjamin Bossman's Verdunk plays on the Italy tour uh, because you know this is someone that uh, you look at some of the highlights and you don't want to fall in love too much with the, the weight room flex pictures yeah. and, and a couple of highlights, but at the same time, it looks like someone that can play and not your typical uh, late June edition. Before we let you get back going to the the beach and listening to music and drinking and enjoying and finally getting some time off, Derek, uh, I got to ask you about <laughs> Donnie Tillman. Uh, the He takes the official visit to Illinois after the transfer from Utah. I felt like there was going to be a announcement pretty soon after that, but nothing has really transpired there. Anything new to report? Anything new you're hearing? Or, or are we still in the wait-and-see game? Still in wait-and-see for the most part, uh, I think that we've reached the point of of kind of where you get a little anxious and you get a little uneasy where uh, you, you had someone on your campus and you, and you showed them everything that, that you had to offer and uh, as far as the fit and the opportunity and the chance to come back to the Midwest where it sounds like his mom wants to move back to Michigan or, the, or around the area uh, where there's more family involved. And uh, if Illinois was was it if they sold him it, it it seems like that would be announced by now i know that there's uh one interesting aspect is the fact that with the new recruiting calendar and really when you're stuck in july you don't all you really have is eval periods and coaches are out uh watching other targets and, and they're not really hosting official visits all that often and really donny hasn't really mentioned anybody other than uh illinois and rutgers so uh, i do think now that it's a lot of time has gone by. I'm not going to say I can't sit here and say that the Illini camp people around the Illinois program are all that confident. Uh, I think they're still trying to make it happen, and they would still obviously be very excited to add him. But uh, we're still in wait and see mode. There's there's not a whole lot new to 
to learn. I've been trying to, you know, get in contact with him and, and haven't been all that successful of late. So uh, we'll kind of have to play it by ear and see what, what comes up. But at the moment, uh, still wait and see on where, where Donnie's going to be next school year. Great stuff, Derek. Thanks, man. Enjoy Myrtle Beach. I will, man. And, and yeah, absolutely. Uh, enjoy talking to you. And, and, you know, if you're subscribed to Lana Inquire, we thank you. We appreciate you. And if you're not, we, uh, we welcome you to give us a chance. And you know, we were out, I was out at Adidas and Peach Jam, talked to a bunch of people, coaches, players, parents, and uh, we'll have a lot of good stuff coming. And obviously, Isaac and Jeremy do a great job on the football side and, and exciting times here coming up. So uh, great talking to you, Isaac, and look forward to doing this again soon. Yeah, no problem. Have a good one. Yep, you too, man. Great stuff there from Derek Piper. So eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good stuff here on that. It's it's just so interesting thinking about Illinois basketball recruiting because there's a chance here for Illinois to really get some momentum. They're able to maybe get some vibes around this program that haven't been seen before. And it's, it's, it's weird because in April, if we had been talking, which program do you have more confidence in, Illinois football or Illinois basketball? Especially after Illinois gets those, the football gets those three commitments, you get the transfers going, the USC guys, you go, okay, this could really be up to something. Illinois football could really be back. There might be a breakthrough here in 2019. But I, I think the, clearly the answer to that question right now is Illinois basketball but for what they've done on the court, or not necessarily on the court, but what they've done off the court, being able to keep Iadisumi, being able to keep Georgie Bashanishvili, being able to see that Trent Frazier is going to take another step forward. Alan Griffin and Tevian Jones are still all in on Brad Underwood and the staff. That's really important. And if you're able to go get an Andre Curbelo and a Ryan Kalkbrenner and an Adam Miller and, and you make this class of 2020 something that's pretty decent – you're talking about sustained success, and you just think about the backcourt that you could have next year. I mean, Io might be gone and Andres Feliz are gone, but you're bringing in Curbelo and Adam Miller to go along with a veteran Trent Frazier. Alan Griffin will likely still be around. Demonte Williams will still be around as another veteran who knows the ropes. So it'll be very, very interesting. Good stuff this episode on on episode seven. We are going to be up in Big Ten Media Days. Jeremy Warner and I will be up in Big Ten Media Days on Thursday. I will be there all day Thursday talking to all the guys, talking to the people around the program. We'll see what we can get there for good stories on Nate Hobbs uh, battling off a suspension and coming back. Alex Palczewski will probably have a big story on him taking the reins as a leadership of the offensive line after Nick Allegretti is gone. Reggie Corbin obviously has been starting to name, be named to some new records or, or you know new watch lists as he tries to build off of a really, really good junior year. So it'll be good to see him. And, and, and then, honestly, it's time to talk. Talk to Lovey, and I, I'm very interested to see what Lovey has to say 
about adding these USC transfers and, and why things are struggling in recruiting and what the expectations should be for Illinois in year four. And remember last year when he said in year three at, at Big Ten Media Days, he goes, we need to see progress on the field. Well, he'd tell you you saw progress and you know, going from two wins in 2017 to four wins in 2018. I personally, I mean, it, it, it was progress, but was it enough? We're not really sure yet, but it'll be interesting. And 2019 is going to be a very fascinating thing. I mean, it feels like non-conference play, Illinois has to go 3-0. and and then you get into football, you get into Big Ten play, and you got you have Nebraska, who's tough. Minnesota's going to have a revenge on the mind. Michigan's really good. Wisconsin and Iowa and Michigan State are really good. Rutgers and Purdue, you feel like you have a chance there. And it really could come down to Week 12 against Northwestern, your bitter rival for Illinois. Maybe this entire future of this coaching staff and, and kind of the, the direction that Illinois football is going to go could hinge on that Week 12 game against Northwestern. But good stuff today with Jeremy Warner talking a lot of Illinois football. Great stuff from Derek Piper as he gets off the beach to talk Peach Jam and Illinois basketball. Thank you so much for listening. Again, check out the website. we got a ton of great content. Derek has all of his stuff from the live period. He has a good update on Ambrose Hilton, the, the wing that he was talking about a little bit. Uh, Jeremy Warner just wrote a story about, about Janet Rayfield and the World Cup position primers. Illini Linebackers is out today. I will have a big story on the Illinois secondary, a group that I really, really like. Uh, and, and I think the upside with that group is good. That should come out tomorrow. And then a, a bunch of great stuff will be on tap from, uh, from Media Days. But again, you can check out this podcast everywhere. Uh, Spotify, Apple Apple podcast anywhere you find your podcasts it'll definitely be up but thank you so much for listening hope you hope you enjoyed it rate us or review us give us reviews those are always super important and again just the the outpouring of support and, and feedback from this podcast has been so great and, and we couldn't be able to do this without any of you guys listeners so we really really appreciate you hopefully you enjoy the, the content coming out to the site hopefully you enjoy the podcast and, and, and thanks for listening and hope, hope everybody has just an awesome awesome day